This is Wessler Media. My daughter, Katie, she donated her liver and kidneys. She was able to save someone else's life. She got the, the honor of being called a hero of donation. To be given a gift of 36 hours. Most people don't get to say goodbye like we did. From Lifeline of Ohio, this is To Be Continued. Stories of life, loss, and legacy. A podcast produced in partnership with Westler Media. Gwen Moore's eyes light up when she talks about Katie, her daughter. She gleams when she reminisces about how good of a sibling Katie was to her brother and sister. She breaks out in laughter when thinking about the time that Katie haphazardly knocked over metal sign while strolling through the mall, or when she tricked her grandfather into eating one too many sour warheads. As Katie grew older, she became a mother herself. She battled her demons and struggled with addiction. Despite overcoming several obstacles, Katie eventually lost her life. Losing your child is a tragedy no parent should have to endure. But because Katie said yes to organ donation, Gwen can find solace in the fact Katie's selflessness saved lives. She is remembered as a hero. Well, my name is Gwen Moore. Grew up in Reynoldsburg, Ohio. Graduated from Reynoldsburg. I'm a mom of, of three and I have seven grandkids. I am a donor mom. My daughter, Katie, was able to be an organ donor. She is a mom of three. She would be 35. Katie was the kind of kid that always had a smile. She grinned a lot, always happy. One of the funnest memories we have of her is we were at Eastland Mall, and um, she would be walking along, you know, looking looking at everything, and you know those freestanding metal signs? She plowed right into one and knocked it right over, but that's just her, <laughs> her personality. She was on the same, I call it the same clock as me, so if I woke up at four to study, here she came, his little feet. You could hear him, pat, 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 pat. What you doing, Mommy? And it would be like, oh, <laughs> Mommy's trying to study. We had a connection that way. You could not hide anything from this child. You could hide it. You could hide gum, candy, Christmas presents. She managed to find everything. She was... She just kind of knew where I might hide something because we thought a lot alike. She played a joke on my dad one time. She, he didn't know what sour warheads were. And <laughs> she got him to eat like, hey, Pappy, here, this candy. And it was, he put more than one in his mouth. And I guess they just were, you know, but she was tricky that way. She was a good friend. She was a good big sister. Just outgoing, she ended up being a cheerleader for Circleville High School. She got her degree in cosmetology. You know, just a fun-loving kind of girl, always doing people's hair, nails, that kind of thing. She was my high-maintenance kid. You go shopping for homecoming dresses or prom dresses, and she was one that had to try every store. You could find five outfits, Katie. You look great, that's perfect. Well, but I might find something I like better, you know, so you'd have to go to the next store and the next store. Most moms like to shop with their daughters. I'm like, <laughs> most moms don't have to go to every single store that has clothing <laughs> to find a to find an outfit for a dance. 
when she was in cosmetology school, that's when we noticed. You could just see the the shift in personality. Not a lot of zest for getting up in the morning, you know, which is kind of an indicator of depression or anxiety. You know, the the bubbly personality masked some pain. She struggled with insecurity a lot. She was a beautiful girl, beautiful face, but I think sometimes she didn't see in the mirror what the rest of us saw. She got through cosmetology school and took the test for her licensing, and then that's when she told us that she was expecting. We didn't we didn't know until her son was born that she was an addict. You know, she was that she was really struggling with the uh, with the Percocets. We didn't we didn't know. You live on high alert. You feel helpless and you do try everything. You exhaust every possibility. You can exhaust yourself trying to do things. The best analogy I have is, as her mother, I was on the ship and it's like looking and and she's floating in the ocean and the sharks are swimming all around. You can throw them a life raft. You can tell them, hey, there's a ladder over here. I mean, you can exhaust yourself. And so there's this idea that it's just a matter of time before they get attacked. And in the end, they have to want it for themselves. They have to want sobriety for themselves. Katie was, you know, she was 18, 19, 20 when we were in the crux of this. She was 20 when her son was born. When she had her son, you know, then we were we were legal guardians for him, so we were trying to help her and caring for uh, caring for her son. Over the course of the next ten years or so, she battled the addiction, but she had long periods of sobriety. So even though I had custody of her son, um, he was spending weekends with her. She had another child, a daughter. They had a house lived a normal life. They got to spend a lot of time together. Um, and she was in, you know, a couple different programs, um, you know, would eventually relapse, recover, repeat. That's what I call it. Relapse, recovery, repeat. That was our life for 10 years. But the periods of sobriety, some of them were really long. And so she had really strong bonds with, with her children. The new baby was 10 weeks old when Katie died. She didn't die from an overdose, but she ended up with a traumatic brain injury. I was at work when I got the phone call from the chaplain asking me how quickly I could get to the hospital and did I know how to get in touch with her father and that if there were other family members that I probably should call everyone and get to the hospital. You know, you're just praying that that you get to talk to her, you know, that there's something that can be done. When we got there, we were met from the doctor who told us that her heart had stopped, but they were able to get her heart uh, going again. 
but that her brain activity, you know, she wasn't showing signs of brain activity. And they told us where, you know, where she was. And we, well, there were, there were just so many people there, you know, at the time, uh, family members. And so they gave us a while to speak with her and talk with her. Um, and then they said they, they wanted to run one more, do one more uh, brain scan. The tears didn't come until later. You're just, you're in full-on survival mode. That's kind of the, you know, the mind, the, the mindset that we had. Her dad was there. I was there. Uh, her sister, my parents got there. Her children got there. Uh, there were some uh, aunts and uncles, a lot of people. A representative from Lifeline was there and said that Katie had wanted to be an organ donor. And could they talk to us about that? It was it was a difficult conversation, but the representative from Lifeline was, was one of the most compassionate people I've ever met. She explained everything and you know, I was concerned because when you have when you have a drug history, you could assume that that would negate any ability for someone to be an organ donor. And she explained to me that it that it does not. Basically, Katie made the decision to say yes to organ donation and it's up to doctors, you know, to make that to make that final call as to what they would be able to use. You know, it's somber, you're incredulous, but while this is all going on, you've got a staff of people from Lifeline that are, do you need water? What can we do? What can we get you? Do you need some snacks? You know, they gave us a like a separate room where we could go and, you know, take turns just trying to decompress for a little bit. When they told us that the second scan had come back, um, that she didn't have any brain activity, and we went ahead and signed the paperwork, there was a delay, and we got 36 hours with Katie. To be given a gift of 36 hours in a hospital, watching her brother and sister sit at her bedside and tell stories of happy childhood memories. And having her son and daughter sit at her bed and hold her hand. Having grandparents be able to say goodbye. Most people don't get to say goodbye like we did. The 36 hours in the hospital, you know, that was also when I got my daughter back. She wasn't the addict, you know, she was my daughter. And so to sit there and have her brother and sister remember this memory. And those were stories that we hadn't shared for years because the frustration of loving an addict had stolen all the joy. But the analogy that I use is an Etch-A-Sketch. I feel like all that hurt and resentment that was in my heart, I, that God literally just shook it like an Etch-A-Sketch. When you're sitting there with your daughter in a room and you realize that you've got very limited time with her, the, the bad memories left. They were gone in an instant. And 
I was able to remember all the fun stuff. Her exit from this earth would have been very different had she not checked the box to be an organ donor and we wouldn't have gotten that gift of time with her. The dignified manner in which she left this world being treated with respect and dignity by a staff of lifeline procurement specialists. You can't put a price on that. So she was sent off with love and surrounded by family. That made all the difference in the world to us. She donated her liver and kidneys and um, her, liver, her liver was able to be transplanted into someone else. She was able to save someone else's life. When people think, well, you know, Katie gave the gift, someone else should be grateful, right? We're the ones that are grateful because we got the gift. We got the gift of time. She got the, the honor of being called a hero of donation. Her children, you know, they know their mom struggled with an addiction, but they also know that she was able to save someone else's life. So it has a lot of meaning to our family. To a person who's hesitant, I would say, all you have to do is say yes. You say yes to giving the gift, the potential gift of life to someone else. What you don't realize is the gift that this could be for your family. You know, it sounds cliche, but you're gone, right? You're gone. But the gift that your ability to donate can be to your family, what a comfort the gift of life can be to another family. You can, you can give that to the people that you love by simply saying yes to being an organ donor. And to the older folks, they may joke, well, nobody would want these parts or these parts are too old. You know, people quip about these types of things. But Katie's a perfect example you're never too far gone to help someone else. You could actually exit this life and have the ability to help or save someone else's. I mean, I can't think of a more beautiful thing for someone to do. What do we do to honor her memory? These are in no particular order. Um, we eat Hawaiian pizza, even though we don't like it. I do not believe pineapples belong on a pizza, but that was her favorite. So every year on her birthday, <laughs> I try to force myself to eat <laughs> Donato's Hawaiian pizza. <laughs> um, we wear yellow a lot, and we tell people it's our favorite color now. We care for her children. That's the best thing you can do to honor somebody's memory is care you know, care for their children. I've got her son, I've always had him. My oldest daughter has the baby um, and she's three and a half now. Her middle daughter is with her father. That's how she's, she's always been. On her birthday, we try to do something. This year, I'm going to go to the grocery store on November 4th and pay for all the cakes that are <laughs> that people are picking up just because I think that would be a fun thing to do. I 
decided that I was really going to do a lot volunteering with Lifeline. Working as Lifeline Ambassador is one of the best ways to honor her memory. But for me personally, the thing that I do the most, I live for two. I give myself permission to live life. Katie's driver's license is in my wallet, and when I go somewhere special, I pull it out. I just pull it out and put it in my hand, and I just say, here, we're here. It's simple. There's simple things that we do to honor her memory. This has been To Be Continued, a podcast from Lifeline of Ohio, produced in partnership with Wessler Media. Production credits to Jessica Peterson and Patrick Klinger from Lifeline of Ohio's public relations team, and Sharon Sindrich, Director of Communications and Public Relations. This series was produced, mixed, and sound designed at the studios of Wessler Media. And while this is the end of the episode, it's not the end of the story. Visit lifelineofohio.org to learn more, or visit the link in the show notes. Because when you register to become an organ, eye, and tissue donor, your legacy may allow someone else's life to be continued. The production you just heard was carefully crafted at the studios of Wessler Media. For more powerfully engaging podcasts and other audio content, visit wesslermedia.com. Stories of overcoming adversity, intense and unexpected twists and turns, education, encouragement, and plenty of those, did you hear that, moments. Hear more and talk to us about creating your own podcast, from large and detailed projects to smaller, more personal-sized productions. That's wesslermedia.com. W-E-S-S-L-E-R-Media.com.